We're going to save all the other announcements to the end and invite up Pastor Mike. Here he is. Mike is going to be sharing with us. I'm going to talk some more. I'm going to make you stand awkwardly by me while I talk about you. Mike is going to be sharing with us about our fourth um, Vision Sunday. The word is commissioned. So we believe that freedom is found by being claimed by God, covered by his presence, and commissioned into his purposes in the world. And Mike, who had a birthday this week, is going to be sharing with us. So take it away, Mike. Thanks, Josh. Great for you. Good morning. How are you? Good to see you guys. Yeah, we're uh, continuing our vision series. Canopy is a family of uh, Jesus followers learning to live free. And we've been unpacking that over the last four weeks with claim, covered, and commission. And I, I'm going to be talking about the word commission this morning. And one of the things, just as I've been processing that word a little bit, um, obviously we see that word playing out all throughout the New Testament, right, where we see the followers of Jesus expanding and going and taking the, taking the commandments of Jesus to the places, taking the Great Commission, literally going and make, uh, uh, preaching the word, it's, uh, seeing people get baptized and seeing the followers of Jesus in the church expand, right? And I almost went down that path with this message of just Great Commission and just through prayer and really discerning, there's so much more power that goes into that word commission that I actually want to campus out in before we actually get to that word commission, if that makes sense. One of the greatest things about having a relationship with God, of course, is that what God speaks to us. We, we, in a pre, uh, our pre-gathering called the boiler room in this space, we are committed as a church to slowing down and stopping um, and, and, and approaching God with the, with the belief that God is always speaking. Like God is always speaking to us. It, but are we actually stopping ourselves to listen to what he has to say? And for me, I've been following Jesus now for 25 years. Uh, I know that sounds like a long time. I'm only 38. So I guess since a high school student and um, discerning the voice of God for me is turning out and I'm going to starting to recognize that to be a lifelong journey, right? Like if I can be honest, to truly discern the voice of God, I wish I would have figured that out like yesterday, does that make sense? There's something about like God speaking and there's moments where I'm like, oh, he's speaking clearly and I can hear him. And there's moments in seasons, weeks, possibly months, and I've had pastoral, enough pastor coffees with people in this room to say it could even be years for people. Where just discerning the voice of God tends to be a little bit of this frustrating reality, this tension of, okay, God is speaking, but I'm not hearing him. His attention that we constantly live in. And the longer I follow Jesus, I don't know if being comfortable is the right word or phrase to put there, but I'm just getting more comfortable at, at balancing that tension. And when God speaks and I hear, let's go. But what are we doing? How are we stopping ourselves to position ourselves and actually listening to what God has to say? As difficult as it is to discern the voice of God in my life, one of the, it's one of the main reasons that keep drawing me back to him is this hunger is this, this desire to hear what God has to say to me, to hear what God might want to say to you through me, to hear what God might be wanting to say to our church, to my family, with whatever it is. It's the thing that keeps driving me back to him. And, and I recognize something with myself, like, and even this morning as we're worshiping and listening and wanting to know, like, God, what is it that you have? There's something, a deeper desire in me to want to grow in my intimacy with God, specifically towards his voice. And however, I can confidently say from following Jesus for as long as I have that there are just times where I don't hear his voice. However, that still doesn't mean that God isn't speaking. That certainly doesn't mean God hasn't spoken, right? 
And so I want to approach this word commission this morning as we talk about the journey that we're set out as a, as a family of Jesus followers, learning to live free. A big part of that is embracing the fact that God is commissioning us, right? And I think that if we want to fully grasp the power behind that word, we have to start in the place with the belief, with the faith that God is speaking. He speaks through his word. We're about to get into this, right? He can speak directly to us. He can speak to us through someone else. That's happened to me quite a bit. Where I come up and I'm, someone's praying for me or I'm having a meeting with somebody and there's a, there's a way that God uses an individual to speak. He speaks through that individual to me. And then we also see that God speaks through creation. I just was up in the mountains for Daniel and Whitney's uh, ceremony up there. They got married, right? And it was beautiful up there. There's a way that God speaks through his, his, his creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And so we can't, we can't put the voice of God in a box. God can speak to us however he wants to, through whomever he wants to. And so if we want to grasp, again, the power behind this word commission, we have to realize that first and foremost, God has spoken. And God is still speaking today. So the question that I wrote down in my notes is just this. Well, what now? What do we do with that truth? What do we do with the reality that God is speaking? Because the voice of God is so much more than just meant to comfort me in times of need. Although that's a big part of it, right? There are many times where I'm in a tough season, in a tough circumstance, and the voice of God comforts me. He comforts my soul with his voice. But, but I would actually say that the primary reason for God speaking to us is actually to awaken us to the fact that he's working in the world. So yes, the voice of God is meant to comfort us, but primarily the voice of God is to awaken us, is to lift our heads up, is to open up our eyes, is to step out and look out and be like, oh my gosh, God is in fact working in my life, but also in the world, even in ways that I can't fully comprehend or even in ways that I can't fully understand. So the voice of God is awakening us to what he's doing in and around our lives. And I think back to, I was talking with Kian, a couple people in the office this week, and I'm like, I, I, if I'm being honest with you, I can only confidently say 100% certainty that God has spoken to me four or five times. And, and like those were markers in my life. Like those were desperation times of like, God, what do I do now? right? Like, are you in fact in this? Are you in fact calling us? Part, part of it was marrying Jesse. Part of it was fostering and adopt. Part of it was planting the church. Part of it was merging our community with Canopy. There are milestones. There are markers in faith where I'm looking back and I'm like, God actually spoke, right? I'm certain of that four or five times. Each of those times pushed me beyond myself into a circumstance that was incredibly challenging. And why I can look back and say, I know for certain that there was at least four or five times because God actually told me to do something I wouldn't have done on my own. Right? Like God pushes us into circumstances. He pushes us beyond ourselves. He pushes us beyond our comfort zones. And those are always indications that maybe, just maybe God's in this. And, 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 and so for us, there's lots of examples of this in Scripture, by the way. Here's two that I want to share with you. The first comes in Exodus 19. It'll be on the screen, verse 3. If you have your Bible... No Bibles today. Oh, Josh, is what? The good old days in church when you'd hear the page flipping. Thank you, guys. Bring your Bibles to church. 
But we have technology to help you. Exodus 19, verse 3 through 6. This is an example here of, of what, this, what we're trying to get at here. It says, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord, sorry, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to, what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you have your Bible underlying this, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So what do we, what do we see here? God is speaking to Moses, right? And his instructions for Moses are to remind the Israelites that they've been set apart to represent God to the world, and it's imperative that they do what? Obey his commands. So in other words, do what he says, right? And then he says, if you do this, like this is how you're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation. I'm speaking, so do what I say. If you do that, you will be a holy priest. You will be a holy nation. You'll be a kingdom priest. Right, so this is, this is God speaking. Look at these words of Jesus, Matthew 28, 19, the familiar passage for all of us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what do we see in these two passages? One, God speaks. Right? Two, God is working. And three, our response to that is obedience. So when we talk about commission, this is where we live. Like this, this is the reality. This is what the Christian life boils itself down to is God is speaking, God is working, and I'm going to obey. I'm going to respond to those two truths with obedience. So am I waking up each and every day listening for the voice of God in my life? That's a question for me to really wrestle with. The answer to you is no. That's why I'm standing up here confessing I have a desire to approach God in this way. He's speaking. So am I waking up every morning intentionally listening for the voice of God in my life? Am I waking up each morning fully trusting that God is working in my life? Not just in my life, but in the world. Am I waking up each morning laying down my desires and my dreams for the sake of whatever God is asking me to do? This is what the word commission, this is the power behind this word. This is not something to be taken lightly. This isn't necessarily one of those rah-rah messages where we get fired up. I can't wait to get on my seat and I'm going to go evangelize to the world. There's conviction here. There's something worth paying attention to. Because until we can be commissioned out into the world, Jesus has to get a hold of us. He has to stir something. He has to stir a hunger, a desire, a passion for him. Before we can be useful to him. Not that he can't, but he's primarily focused. He wants you first. And then what he does from there is transform the world. Right? Case study here, 12 disciples. He got a hold of their hearts first. He transformed their lives first. And what did they go do? We know the story. We're going through it in an Acts. Right? And so for each of us, when we talk about God speaking to us, God working in and through our lives, response obedience, this actually, and this is where it gets fun, 
like for us as a community in, in relationship with one another, is this looks different with every single one of you. Like there's no like cookie cutter plan here. Like God doesn't look down at the planet Earth and say, I'm going to operate these people and, and like treat them like puppets or robots and they're just going to, I'm going to use them to fulfill and do the things that I want to do, right? Like God does not look at us that way. Like God sees you, he sees me as uh, complex individuals who feel, right? Who have fear, who, who have insecurities. Like we're complex beings, right? And, and, and he, he, he's wired us differently, gifted us differently, given us quirkinesses and personalities that, that are actually useful to the kingdom of God. And so the journey of, of following Jesus, practically, there are those three, three things that is a really helpful starting point for us. But where it gets fun for us to journey in life together is that it's going to look differently for each life represented here. And then we're getting a taste of the kingdom we're able to step back and look and see how great, how big, how beautiful God is. Because look at the ways he's working in your life. Look at the ways he's working in your life and in my life. Can you believe how good God is? That he would see me useful. That he would create me the way that he created me. And give me the opportunities. He can use anybody, but he's using me. Even with all my uh, failures, shortcomings whatever you want to call it. Like God still wants to use my life to bring him glory. And I would say with great faith and expectation, he wants to do the same through you. You want to know what's great about God? Thanks. There's a lot of things, right? But to be really specific and boil it down is that God doesn't leave us alone to figure this out all on our own. Like he's not just turning you loose in the world be like, okay, hey, good luck. I mean, if you need some help, right? He has given us primarily the Holy Spirit, but what I want to kind of camp out in the rest of our time here together this morning is that he's given us each other. We're all full of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the church to set out on mission together, to approach every single day together or separate, wherever we are at work or home or school, beach, the mountains, God is speaking. God is working. I'm going to respond to those two truths with obedience. And so he's given us the church to do that together so that we don't operate in isolation. And Jesus, when we talk about we need each other to obey the commission, right? Like we looked at passages and they frame it towards commandments. Like when Jesus came to earth, I, Jesus looked back and through the Torah, if you know, I think 605, is that about right? Professor Josh, pretty close. Am I off a little bit? 610? 615? Do I hear 620? All right. 600 and something commandments, right? That, that they were trying to fulfill, that they were trying to obey. Can you imagine the burden there? Desperately wanting to obey God. Relationship with God inadvertently became just do and be good, Right? And so that broke Jesus' heart. And so when he came, Jesus is a simple guy, which I appreciate about him. He has a beautiful way about making things that are confusing simple and understandable, right? This is the gift that he is to the world. This is the gift that he was to the people he interacted with. He said 605-ish. I'm going to give Let's break that down to two. Just two. 
So we talk about obeying the commandments of God. Jesus came and said it means loving God and loving people. Right? When we talk about being a people who are commissioned into the world, we are in fact saying is that God is speaking, that he's working, and God wants us to respond to those two truths with loving him and loving people. And loving God and loving people are not mutually exclusive, right? For those of us that maybe have been following Jesus for too long, that makes sense, right, when I say that, right? We love God by what? Loving people, right? We love people by what? Loving God. These work together. They're not at tension together. They work together beautifully. And so if you're ever curious about what's the best way to love God, well, he says, love the people you're around all the time. That is, in fact, how you love me. I created them, right? So these are connected to one another. And the best way that we do this, I believe, and I'm convicted of it, and I've given my life to the church because I think it's through the local church. The best way we love God and that we love people, I believe, is through the local church. Not a building, right? Forget the building. It's the people. If I'm going to love God and love people to my fullest potential, I'm going to need every single one of you to do that. I cannot, and I don't want to, do that on my own. Why? Because my, my love is limited. That's real talk, right? My faith is limited. My giftings are limited. My experiences are limited. And I need you. We need each other to pull us up a little bit, to recognize, like, really, like, what... Like, what can I really do on my own? Maybe a cool feel, a, few, a, a few cool things. Good job, Mike, on that. But sustainably, really, like, what could I really accomplish on my own in my limited abilities? But when we do it together, and we're moving in the same direction on the same page, committed to the fact that God is speaking and God is working and we're going to love God and love people together, can you imagine what we can do as a community of people who are committed to that mission together? Are you with me? Like, I can't, I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. And this is why the church is so important to the world. This is why the world needs the church. And, and this is why we even see in the New Testament, if you have your Bible, you can flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A title, a phrase, a description that was given to the church that still rocks me every time I think about it is the bride of Christ. Whoa. This is, this is how God sees his church. This is how Jesus treated his church as his bride. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. My Bible is going to be, this is going to get a little sketchy in here with my translation. Sorry about that. But just the one on the screen is the clear cut, better version. Verse 12, just as, for just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less as a part of the body. For the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is with God, 
has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body are the weaker and indispensable. For those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with great honor, and our respectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, so that there would be no division in the body, but the members would have so that there would be no division in the body, but the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing. Helping administrating various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in other tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you even better way. Whoa. <laughs> what a powerful passage. I've read that, I don't maybe you have too, and there's something so refreshing every time I read that passage as describing the church the body of Christ. Paul is simply echoing the words of Jesus here. Jesus called his church, right, his bride. He talked about it as his body as well. And so if we, if we change our perspective here and we begin to see the church not as just a group of people that gather on Sundays, not just a bunch of people who have independent lives from this, we come together and it's a social club, not even as a building, but if we see the church, the way that Christ sees the church, it completely undoes how we live our lives. It ought to convict us. It ought to speak to places in our lives. It ought to help us and want to reorder things and set and establish new rhythms in our, in our families, in our homes, in our work to reprioritize where the church should be. Because if Jesus says the church is the body of Christ, if we want Christ to be the primary focus of our lives, the church is there as well. And so Paul uses this illustration of a body to communicate the significance of the church. And there are two things here that Paul is after. Number one, if you're taking notes, we need each other. I heard someone say it like this, and it just stuck with me over the years. We suffer in isolation, and we grow in community. We suffer in isolation, and we grow in community. There's no truer statement than that, is there? For those of us that just have lived life a little bit, we suffer the most when we feel alone. We suffer the most when we feel isolated. We've, we saw this, and we all experienced this, and when I say that, there's a collective, yeah, that happens in everybody's soul in this room because we experienced this during the pandemic. So if I would have said that two years ago, there would have been a few amens, but collectively now as a church, when I say we suffer in isolation, we all think back to two years of isolation pandemic when we recognized and we were all high-fiving each other because I couldn't go out of my house. But after two weeks, what happened? <laughs> Things got really dark quickly for people. Like for two weeks, it was really nice being isolated because whatever the expectations the world had of me, I now said, can't go outside. <laughs> right? There was something really, there was a reprieve that happened initially. People that didn't, like, wanted to work from home were stoked, and then we saw soon, wow, this working from home thing is really isolating. 
Uh, the amount of coffees I had with people after two weeks about what the pandemic, what isolation was doing to people, depression, anxiety, loneliness, fear. Like, we suffer in isolation, but we grow in community. So if we live our lives in a way that's isolating, we're missing out on the life that Jesus has for us. Why? Well, Paul tells us it's because we were built to be connected to one another. That's in fact how you are built and how you are wired, is to be connected to people. And so when we're together, we can only live in our full potential. This is so important for us as a church. If we are in fact committed to being a family of Jesus followers, learning to live free, it has to come back to the truth that we need each other. We cannot experience freedom on our own. It's impossible. Been there, done that. Don't want to do it anymore. I love the barbecue. Anybody here want some barbecue? Love barbecue. I have a charcoal grill, and I'm still pretty amateur in figuring this out. I'm no Josh Harrison. That where the coals, he just seems to speak and they obey. Um, I'm still trying to figure out the coal situation. But one thing I have grown to love about charcoal grills and specifically grilling on my 22-inch kettle, uh, Weber grill, is really just the attention to detail that goes into grilling. So I don't want a gas grill because that's just easy and it's not that fun, right? When, you, when, you, when you're smoking meats or when you're using charcoal grills, there's something about the process. There's something that goes into the charcoal and the, and the temperature and, and the, the wind and the food and the whatever, the, the humidity in the air that makes barbecuing fun. My first time I started doing this, I learned very quickly that the only way to keep the coals hot was by keeping the coals together. Pretty, pretty basic, right? Like if you're going to actually cook with charcoal, to keep your coals hot, they must be literally connected. They must be touching other coals to keep up to temperature. If you take one coal out and you isolate that coal from all the others, what do you think happens? It burns out pretty quickly, actually. It goes out like just like that. Coals only stay hot when they're up against or they're surrounded by other coals that keep them moving. And this is honestly, this is a silly illustration because I'm hungry for now for barbecue, about really what the picture and what the intentionality, what the purpose of the church is for you. And, and what the church is for me, right? Like, this is what makes the church important. It's the place where I surround myself. This is the place where I'm up against. I'm doing life with other followers of Jesus who, who can encourage me, who can challenge me, who can keep me moving who can keep me moving forward towards Christ-likeness. If I'm isolated, I'm no longer living in the purpose to which I was created. I'm detached from it, just like a coal. We need to be around each other, surrounded by each other. The church, when healthy, is a hotbed of coals. When I'm not feeling it, I'm coming and stepping in with faith that somebody else there is going to keep me going. And this is the beauty of community, right? When we isolate, we lose the very essence of who we are and what we do. Number two, there are no bystanders. Mike Erie said this, and I just love it. Community isn't just about eating and drinking together. It's also about bleeding and sweating together. So 
Really, he's echoing the words of Paul here in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, and what he's really fighting for, is that the church isn't just about community. What did he say? That's all I thought it was. No, it's good. Like, if we are just community, we're missing out. It's not, it's, the church is more than a social club, right? The church is much more than that. It's a body on mission, Community is a big part of that. Like, we want to be on mission. We need the community. Like, it's not either or. And I've been a part of churches that are all about mission but have no community. I've been a part of churches that have a ton of community but no mission. If we're going to step in and actually re- and live into the identity of the church, we are a community that's on mission. And so what that means is that we need that commitment from everybody. So if church for you is just about community, it's time to step back. And prayerfully invite the Holy Spirit into your life and step out at yourself and say, okay, how can I actually step into mission? If the church for you is all about mission and you have no community, this, I would say the same to you. It's time to step back and lean into community and put yourself in situations that might be uncomfortable for you. Paul says that the church is more than just community. So the body here, he says, is, is how important, the body knows how important the arm is. The body knows that without the toes, it's only going to limp through life, right? So he's just drawing attention to all the different body parts. If the hand, he says, or the ear, or the eyes are missing, then the whole body suffers. It still may be alive, but it's not going to operate in wholeness. It's not going to be working in, in, at its best in the world, right? So Paul is changing the way that we think about the church. And and if I see the church as the body of Christ, then I'm going to know how important it is for me to participate in my local church. And how will I understand how much the body of Christ suffered if I'm actually not around? We can only be connected if we're around. We're going to miss out on what, in fact, the body of Christ is up to and the beauty and the power behind the body if we're only connected to it. You might be aware of the statistics. I mean, three years ago, I would get up here and say the average person attended church twice a month. Do you know what it is now? Any guesses? Less. <laughs> it's one. One time a month. And I, 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 I'm not here to condemn. I condemn. I get it. I, I get it. But what we have to actually look back and speak to is that that means that the average person just attends church. Like, this is Western talking, right? Like, Westernized church, westernized Christianity. I'm a Christian because I go to church. This is my language. This is my framework right now. So the average person is only around the church, give or take 29, uh, they're away from it 29 days a month. That's the normal. Disconnected, alone, isolated for 29 days a month. We wonder why we're hurting. We're wondering why we feel distant. We're wondering why we feel disconnected. It's because we're not around. We're not connected. And I can't speak for other churches, but I do feel okay speaking for this one. I just think we can do so much better. God dreams that Canopy will be a Monday through Saturday church, not to diminish Sunday. Sundays is a given around here. Like, we're here every Sunday. But, like, Canopy is going to be and will be, and this is what's so exciting about Josh's leadership and all the different things that are coming up is that we see ourselves beyond Sundays.
And so the call for us is how do we step in? I need you all Monday through Saturday. It's really hard Monday through Saturday. You guys know that? A lot happens in my life Monday through Saturday, right? Like you only see little glimpses of me here. There's a lot going on outside of this space, and I would imagine the same is for you too. And so we need each other. We need, we need each other because we are the body of Christ. So my encouragement to you is to see the church the way that Jesus and the way that Paul is speaking to. If you follow Jesus, see yourself as the body of Christ. With that, you have a role to play. God is working. Josh touched up on um, all in night. I just want to speak to it for a second. It's tomorrow night, he, as he mentioned, and I'm so excited for this because it's been, if there's been something craving inside of me, um, as a pastor of this church, for sure, but also a member of Canopy Church, this is where our fam, my family goes. Like, my kids look forward to coming to, like, coming to Canopy every single Sunday. So our, 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 our community is growing here. Our desire for relationship is, is growing. And there's always been something in us that's just kind of confused about, like, okay, like, coming out of the pandemic, we merged churches even before that. Like, who, like who's really here? Like, people are coming, going all the time. But, like, like who really calls Canopy their church? And so for us, that, that desire, that ache, stemmed out of into all-in all night to say, like, I think if we're hungry for this, surely more people are to declare that this is our family. Like, you can count on me. I can count on you. If you need something, you know people got you. If you're feeling faithless, you can lean in and, and attach yourself to people who have faith in the moment. And so all-in night is an opportunity for us that we're so excited about and timely for those that do call Canopy and say, this is going to be our church. To say, I'm in. You can count on me. I can count on you. We're here. We're in. Now, if you're here and you're just checking things out and you're like, too much, too quick, that's okay. Like, find, find a church that you can be a part of the body at, whether it's this church or not. Like, you need to be a part of the body. And Canopy is just going to lean into that intentional ways where we know in order for us to actually operate in our full potential this next year, it's got to go beyond our staff. It's got to be go beyond our pastors and the leaders. Like God has called this church to so much. And in order for us to actually embrace that identity, we need every single person here. If one person opts out, we feel it. Big time. I'll close with this. It's enough. I think you get it. Um, I grew up in I grew up in a big family. Any big family people here grew up in big families? Anybody? A few of us. Wow. Okay. I'm the youngest of five. Um, I have four older sisters. Um, between between sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, holidays were always crazy. Um, some of my favorite memories growing up were holidays. Like there was always busy. There were always people around, and we were always doing things. Um, and one thing that I realized very quickly at a young age is that we just couldn't all fit around one table. And so my parents, who are right over here, huge Rams fan over here, my dad. Um, don't tell them they're pretty awful this year. Chargers are better. One thing, one thing my parents did to, like, you know, facilitate that space was there's a kid's table. Right? Kids sit at the kid's table. Adults sit at the adult table. And I, to be honest, I hated sitting at the kid's table. 
Like that was, that was not very fun for me and I would always grab my plate and I would always try to sneak away and sit at a spot at the adult table. Ever since, it, ever since being a kid without fail, mostly my mom would be like, your place is over at the kids' table. That's where the kids go, right? Like that's where you're supposed to go sit. And so I would go over there and there would be kids fighting, there would be kids taking each other's food, there would just be fighting or whatever it was going on over there. And um, I hated it. I wanted to go hang out with the adults. And it's all changed on Thanksgiving 1999. I don't know if you remember this, but it sticks out to me very vividly where my parents both said that I, can now, I was now old enough to come sit at the adult table. I graduated from the kids' table to the adult table. No longer was I around kids that were crying or fighting or throwing food at each other. I had finally become, I'd become considered an adult now. And what I quickly observed by sitting at the adult table was that, wow, the conversations were better, <laughs> right? The portions were larger. <laughs> the drinks were better. So I heard. <laughs> <laughs> like, once I got to feast at the adult table, I'm never going back to that kid's table, right? And that's a silly way. And as I was praying through this message, there's an invitation here that I think Jesus wants to extend Canopy Church. I think too many people, too many followers of Jesus just have kind of quite got comfortable of just hanging out over at that kid's table. Comfortable. There's not much asked of me over there. Right? I can kind of stay in my little corner. No one's going to challenge me. No one's going to push me beyond what I'm comfortable doing. There's little accountability. And I think the invitation that Jesus wants to make to Canopy Church is that he's inviting those of us who are following him to get up from that kid's table and make our way over to the adult table and recognize how beautiful, the beautiful things, the powerful work that he's doing in that space. And so the question for you is, do you accept the invitation from Jesus? Jesus said, go into the world, make disciples, baptize, preach the gospel. This is not just a commandment for a few. This is a commandment for all who declare Jesus as Lord and King. And at Canopy Church, I speak for all of our pastors and leaders, I think when I say we're committed to equipping you for mission. We're committed to seeing you step into community, and we're committed to helping you identify the giftings that God has given you so that you can participate fully within the body of Christ. This is a journey that we're on together. And so would you stand? We're going to close with a couple songs here. But the invitation I feel led to, Josh or Kiana, jump in here whenever you feel like it if you want to. But just to pray, um, if you feel like you're in that space where you just feel stuck, like you're hearing the invitation, but you just feel like your life, there's just something there that's keeping you away, from fully stepping in, like if there's a hesitancy in you, I just want to invite you to pay attention to that. I want to invite you forward just to come and receive. Just to allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to minister over you. And we want to pray for courage for you. We want to pray that he would fill you, that he would give you eyes and refreshment and desire to move away from that comfortable kid's table and to step over to the adult's table. And then the second half of you in here, maybe you're just ready to go. And you were just waiting for the invitation. Like you're in, you're here, but you would just you just 
wanted that invitation. And I just want to invite you to come forward too. We want to just pray over you and lay a hand and bless the work that God is doing in your lives. And so um, as you feel led, or if you just want, just come forward. The front's open. Um, we want to invite you into this space. And we'll just have different leaders just coming and blessing you and laying a hand on you as well. So feel, feel led. Just come forward. We'll pray for you.